I want to invite you this morning to take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go back to Psalm 139. If you're not there already, you can take your Bibles, your devices, and turn to this wonderful passage. By the way, thank you so much uh, for the encouragement through the week. Um, we have, it's, it's, I would think of our church as a fairly active church. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of things we can do. <laughs> a lot of things that we're working through as a church. The elder team, we're praying through these things. But in this last three, four months, I mean, we've been kind of relegated to online and this. <laughs> so thank you for being so gracious uh, and, and doing your best to build relationships, for reaching out through uh, through social media, all that stuff, and doing what you can to be part of this. Um, thank you also for being gracious with our times of prayer. One of the things I tell you that I have missed the most with the congregation is praying together. And so even as an elder team, we just talked about this briefly and said, hey, let's take our times on Sunday morning and let's not neglect one of those key factors of the body of Christ, and that is praying together. Seeking God's face together. So thank you, especially I, I think of young children here. Thank you for participating in our prayer time. Um, if you have not felt this yet, we want you to know that we are thrilled that you're here today. Welcome. I know Jim mentioned this. But there's several visiting uh, from other states and other places. There's, there's some here visiting from other states. There's some visiting from our own community. We are so thrilled that you're with us today. So whether you're visiting or regular attender, uh, even though we're restricted, uh, it, is, it is so tough for me not to walk out there and greet every one of you before the service, but I'm trying to hold back a little bit, uh, not to stand at that back door and say goodbye to everybody. Um, that is tough. Uh, but at any rate, um, we're doing that kind of casually. But please know that even though we're not in our regular normal services, we hope you feel welcome this morning. So thank you for being here. And our prayer is that you are fed today well from the Word of God. So we are back in this wonderful psalm today. I hope that you've been able to meditate on this, this psalm. This is our third week in this beautiful psalm. This is a psalm, as we've talked about, I'm not going to review this in too much depth, but this is a psalm from David that's meant to be sung as a song, obviously. You sing songs. But this is to the choir master. This is meant to be meditated on as a song. Uh, when you look at this passage, it's beautiful, this psalm, because it is, it is out of a heart of unrest, actually. Verses 19 through 21 of this psalm, you see very clearly that David is, is kind of struggling through what's going on around him. And for that reason, we've wanted to meditate on this psalm. In times of, of unrest in our hearts, where we're just crying out. It's like, where do you go? Where do you turn? Well, Davis, David here in this passage gives us a dynamic illustration of what we are to do. A dynamic example of what we are to do. And that is to run to the nature of our God, to meditate on who God is, to meditate on his beautiful plan for us. So that's exactly what we're doing. Um, this psalm teaches us so much about the nature of our great God. This psalm, as we've talked about, is beautifully structured uh, in Hebrew poetry. And actually the verse designations that were added thousands of years later, you find that structure, it still kind of remains. 
Uh, Of these 24 verses, you can actually take them, split them into four sections of six verses. Beautifully and thematically highlighting different aspects, character traits, of principles of our great God, his nature. And so systematically, the last couple of weeks, we have run into this key idea through the unrest of the world around us. We must find security, verses one through six, in the depths of God's knowledge about us. Verse one of this entire chapter says what? Oh Lord, and this is just review, so I'm gonna go quickly through this. Oh Lord, You have searched me and you have known me. What does verse 6 say? Overwhelmed David. David's just overwhelmed. We don't know exactly when in his life he wrote this. But as an overwhelmed worshiper of Yahweh, what does he say in verse 6? Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I can't attain to it. I can't comprehend your knowledge of me. Well, in times of unrest, we've held on to this. The depths of God's knowledge about us. Well, then we, we went into this topic, this theme, from the next six verses. The next thematic structure of this passage. Through the unrest of the world around us, we must find security in the extent of God's presence with us. I hope you've been meditating on that this week. I haven't been able to get this out of my mind. That my God is with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. What a beautiful structure. And last week we looked at how this means so much more to us now even through the Holy Spirit of God as New Covenant people. 3,000 years ago David wrote that and since then 2,000 years ago we had the death, the the perfect life, uh, the, the miracles of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We had his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection We had all of that happen to give us new life. And so through that, we now have the blessings of what's known as the new covenant. In that, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of us permanently. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this passage means a ton to us as new covenant believers. All right, I want to move on to what we're going to talk about today. If you can't tell... I get fired up about going back and reviewing all of that in depth, but we're going to move ahead. Here it is. The next six verses this morning. Through the unrest of the world around us, let's attach ourselves to this key idea from these six verses. Through the unrest of the world around us, we must find security in the expressions of God's power to us. We meditate on God's overwhelming power expressed to us. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what we're going to look at today. And here's what David does. He keys on to one or two primary expressions of God's power. And here it is. It's his power to create life. So let's meditate on that. If you would read with me, let's start in verse 13 this morning. Verse 13 through 18. David says this. For you formed my inward parts... You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret or hidden, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Verse 16. 
your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet there was not one of them, or there was none of them. Verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts. Oh God, how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. Then the conclusion of this whole section is this. I awake and I am still with you. Through the unrest of the world around us, we must find security in the expression of God's power to us. Okay. So before we jump into the details of this passage, before we kind of unwrap this today, the different layers of this passage, and really dig in, I want us to think about and kind of visualize. So we're going to go into a moment of visualization. Visualize with me a conversation, all right? Who's involved in this conversation? Well, these are two young boys. In your mind, I want you right now to picture two young men talking to each other. Uh, we're talking probably the ages three to five years old. One of the most blessed conversations ever is to hear of three to five-year-olds talking to each other. This could be an intense conversation. This could be a casual, casual conversation. Um, if you think about it, this is actually one of my favorite pictures ever. You remember this picture? Okay, you could even visualize these dudes. However, the discussion today is not farming. I want us to up the ante a bit in this discussion. What's the discussion between these two guys right now? And maybe you've been part of a conversation like this, or you just had the opportunity to sit in. These two dudes today, whether casual or intense, are talking about superheroes. You ever been part of that? You ever listening? Or here's the other one. Superheroes or Star Wars characters. You ever heard a discussion on Star Wars characters from three to five-year-olds? It's awesome. Uh, the church we came from, there was a couple dudes, young dudes, that had an infatuation with these Star Wars characters, and, and they would be down in the basement of the church talking away, and I'd kind of poke my ear around the corner and just listen to them and just had to chuckle. It was intense. But today we're going to take that conversation about superheroes, as intense as it gets, and I want us to develop that a little bit more, kind of take that and think about this conversation in a little different light. I want us to think about these two dudes in this deep conversation, but instead of talking about superheroes or Star Wars characters, I want you to think about their discussion about dad. You ever heard one of these conversations? These three to five-year-olds? You know exactly what I'm talking about. How does this conversation generally start? All right, you're sitting there, you listen to these guys, and you hear... Hey, you, you know what? My dad can fill in the blank. And the other dude over there sits there maybe kind of like this, and he's thinking, and he's like, oh, yeah? You know the conversation. Oh, yeah? Well, my dad can, and he just ups the discussion. And then it goes from my dad can, and the dude sits there and he thinks about that, scratches his head maybe a little bit, and he says, oh yeah, well my dad has, and the other guy starts again, and he says, oh yeah, well my dad has, and he names whatever item, whether it's a gun, or a car, or a motorcycle, or a tool, whatever it might be, we've just upped the discussion. 
And then all of a sudden, the guy scratches his head some more and is thinking about it. And he says, oh, yeah, well, my dad is, fills in the blank. And the other dude stands there just as typical in these conversations. And he responds, oh, yeah, well, my dad is. You've heard these. Maybe you've been part of these just laughing in the background sometimes. Maybe these are your neighbor kids. Maybe they're kids at school. I know there's several here that work in preschools. Maybe you've heard this before. Well, you know, this discussion, this discussion of dad actually trumps the discussion of superhero. So the discussion on superhero is really good, but the discussion on super dad is so much better. And why is that? Think about this. Why? Here's why. Because of a personal relationship with dad. I know dad. Okay, I know about this superhero. I know all the facts about these Star Wars characters. However, I know dad. Hey, he's my dad. All right, so that was ridiculous. Nonetheless, as we enter into Psalm 139, yes, we're talking about unrest. But the overwhelming theme of Psalm 139 is David. And I want us to picture in our minds one of these guys like David. And we're the other part of the character here. And David is saying, my God is this. And instead of us disagreeing and saying, oh yeah, well my God is this. We are agreeing and saying, yes, our God is this. That's the discussion today. So when we enter into the next six verses here, it is through the eyes of a personal relationship with this God. This God who is always present with us. This God who knows everything about us is also a God, as David says in these next couple verses, is a God that has power. He's all powerful. And where do we go with this? David clearly says, this power, this God of omnipotence, this power is expressed personally. So this is the same discussion we've had the last three weeks. Every single one of these attributes that we bring out, we're running right away to the fact that this attribute is incredibly personal. So let's just read through the text again and let's notice the first person pronouns in this text. You can circle them if you'd like or just note them. I'll go ahead and read them. He says this. David says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's wombs. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw, and I love this, your eyes saw my substance unformed. In your book were written every one of them, referring, I believe, to the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts. Just a minute, we're going to get there. And all these myriads of thoughts that God had, not about the general creation. Yes, he does that anyways. But about us personally. And how many of these thoughts about us personally? Well, look at what he says. 
They are more than the sands of the sea. How vast the sum of them. (laughs) This power of God is absolutely personal. When we think about this young man bragging about his dad before he knows better. (laughs) All right. Before the world shocks him and he realizes dad is not super dad. We're just normal person. Before all of that happens, this young man is is incredibly personal, incredibly uh, overwhelmed with the power of his dad. Well, David here, in a very similar fashion, is saying, this God, he is personal. He is my God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, friends here today, this passage is not just talking about the God that's powerful enough to see all of the things of the whole world uh, happen according to his plan. He is big enough to do that. This is not just a God who's powerful enough to be powerful God over all of Israel. This is not just a God who's powerful enough to rule all the things, all of the works of the church of God. We know that happens. This is a powerful God. Get this. That knows you. This is a God whose power is expressed to you and to me. And that is exactly what David is saying in this passage. What's the takeaway? I mean, if we look at this passage and we think this is very personal, this power of God is very, expressed very personal. Well, that was written how many years ago? We've already talked about this, like 3,000 years ago. So what happened 2,000 years ago? Again, the ups the whole discussion. We're talking about the great God-man, Jesus Christ, coming and taking our sins on himself on the cross of Calvary. We're talking about the power of that. So we need to process everything we read now through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. So when we do that, what verse comes to mind? Can I remind us all of one? Paul, as he beautifully articulates the gospel in the book of Romans, what does he say in Romans 1.16? Remember this verse? How does he comp- what, what does he compare to the, the power of God? He says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone. It's personal here. To everyone that believes. So what's the takeaway when we talk about the power of God? The power of God is specifically seen in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is seen in the fact that we can be rescued from eternal condemnation and we can be not only rescued from eternal condemnation, but now adopted into the family of God as an heir. That's the power of the gospel. So is God's power personal to you and to me? Absolutely expressed specifically in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to bring this up though. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just efficient to eternally save us or what we call eternally eternal redemption. It's not just efficient for eternal redemption. The gospel of Jesus Christ is sufficient for daily transformation. We need to remember that. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just efficient to bring us into relationship with God. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of God, is powerful enough to keep us in that relationship with God every single day of our lives. 
Okay, let's go to a passage to remind ourselves what Paul says in Galatians 5. I love this. The whole discussion from Galatians 5 and 6, talking about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that indwells with us when we come to Jesus Christ. You remember this. This Holy Spirit that indwells every true believer, not some, every true believer has been possessed by the Holy Spirit of God, a permanent indwelling. And this Holy Spirit of God, what is this Holy Spirit of God doing in our lives? Here's what the Holy Spirit of God is doing. It's empowering us to make it, take another step in our spiritual life and take another step in our spiritual life and take another step in our spiritual life. How is God's power, this is what we're getting at, how is God's power personal for you and for me today? What does Galatians 5 says, say? I love how Paul says this. The Holy Spirit of God so appropriately directs us away from a life of what? I'll just read the text. Galatians 5.19, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Just a quick time out. What are we seeing rampant in our culture right now? We're seeing all of this. And what does the Holy Spirit of God do? He's directing us away from embracing a lifestyle of sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. I, mean, I was just talking to a couple of the men before this. I feel like our entire country right now is a huge temper tantrum. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, godless orgies, and things like these. <laughs> that little thing, and things like these at the end of this, I'm thinking, wow, I don't know what else you can list. But I'm going to tell you, what does the Holy Spirit of God do in our lives today? What is he doing in our lives right now? By God's grace, he is helping us to navigate away from these things. And then what is the Holy Spirit of God giving us the power to do right now? Well, the very next verse is, the power of God is seen as the Spirit of God directs us towards, here it is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm going to tell you, not a single one of those can we do on our own strength. We can come close. We can do our best. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is only through the Spirit that we can live this out. In a broken world where there's flare-ups all over the place, you turn the news on for five minutes and you're like, really? That's happening? And all of this, we look at all this mess around us. What is the Holy Spirit of God guiding you to do and me to do? He's guiding us to love, to joy, to peace, to patience, to kindness, to goodness, to faithfulness, to gentleness, to self-control. Through faith, God's power is expressed to us personally. The power to save our lives eternally and the power to transform our lives daily. All right, so David in this passage is very clear that God's power is expressed personally. This is a personal expression to you. Yes, corporately, but also do not neglect the fact that God is working his power in your life through the person Jesus Christ. Let's, go to an, let's unfold it a little bit further. And this really 
Uh, I'll, I'll try to maybe go a little quicker through this, although this is really the brunt of the entire text right here. God's power is expressed through creation. How appropriate is that for here and for now? How appropriate is that for our society and our culture right now? Denying the creation power, the creative power of the sovereign God of the universe. By the way, we can just start off this discussion by saying, why is that happening? And I would say a dynamic reason why is because as soon as you, as soon as you admit that God is the sovereign God of all creation, guess what? You have to admit that you're responsible to this God. That he owns you. So that's exactly what David's talking about in this passage. God's power is expressed through creation. Verses 13 through 16. Honestly, brothers and sisters, this is the clearest passage, I believe, in all of the scriptures explaining God's direct involvement in the intricate details and development of the human body. I love this passage. I'm going to do my best not to spend three hours on it this morning. But let's go through and unpack it the next 15 minutes or so. Starting with this. David says this, For you formed my inward parts. For you formed my inward parts. David sitting there in great awe of this great God saying, You know what? You formed my inward parts. Okay, let's acknowledge who David is. He's not a physician. David's no physician. We know he's writing this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But David had a limited bit of understanding about the the anatomy, human body. I will tell you, though, somehow they knew what was happening inside was amazing. Something was happening in this body was amazing. And so how David describes it, he says, you formed my inward parts. That idea of form is more than just shape. It, it, It carries the idea, as you look at the other uses of this word, of owning it. You've shaped it and you own it. You own what's happening inside this body. Think about David. He's sitting back there with the sheep in this field and he feels it as soon as he lays down, he feels da-dum, 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 da-dum. He feels his heart beating. He can't explain exactly what's going on inside, but he knows it is going on inside. And what does he say? You formed my inward parts. You formed all of these organs inside me. You know all these bodily organs and you have formed them and you own them. God formed, owns your heart, that thing that's ticking inside David. God formed, he may not have known all of the ways the brain processes things. Think about that. They don't know what we know about the brain. But somehow David knew he could think. That thing processing information right now for most of us (laughs) creates those nerve impulses. God owns that. God's doing that. God formed and owns our lungs. God forms and owns our kidneys, our stomach, our intestines, everything inside us. God did that. I like to think of this when I get up in the morning. What did I do through the night to make my heart beat? Nothing. I know, I mean, I got to qualify that. I know uh, some of you have pacemakers in there. (laughs) So there's a caveat to that. But technically speaking, if you were in David's time, he didn't have pacemakers. What did you do this morning other than, well, other than drink coffee to make your brain think? 
What did you do this morning other than put on glasses to make your eyes see? All of these things are what God has done in your life to sustain you. And David, he's marveling at the work of what God has done inside of him, in his organs. Here's how he says this. Um, You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together. The actual terminology that David used here is so beautiful. It's awesome. It's like you weaved me together like a fine fabric. Think about that. David didn't know all the details that inside our human bodies are over right around 100,000 miles of blood vessels. Think about that. If you put your blood vessels all end to end, 100,000 miles of them inside that body of yours right now. What's David saying? God put all those together. All those nerve endings going to the end of your skin and all around your body. Guess who put all of those together? Guess who connected every single one of them? You're right, it's God. Those things that blow my mind are my eyeballs. Have you ever thought about how your eyeballs adjust to information and how they process information? I love thinking about this because I can't wrap my mind around it. But as... As the body is developing in the mother's womb, at some point in this process, the eye with its optic nerve connects to the brain. Have you thought about that? But you would think if we were going to design the human body, we would put the, the, the vortex, what's it called? I wrote it down somewhere because I don't understand all these things. The visual cortex. You would think maybe God would have put that at the front of our brains. No, 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 no. It's at the back of our brains. And somehow... In all of his beauty of imagination and design, God connected our eyeballs to the back of our brains in order to process information. You can't imagine this stuff. The way our eyeballs focus and refocus, processing information regularly all through the day. You couldn't have dreamed up that and how it processes information David's sitting back thinking, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You put all of this together. And there again, very clearly, where did this happen? In no uncertain terms, where did this happen? In my mother's womb. Please receive this in no uncertain terms that God put this person together in the mother's womb. I will say this again with more emphasis on certain words. God put this person together in the mother's womb. This fetus is not a a blob of tissue or mass of cells to be discarded. No, this is a person. It is a person made by God in the image of God. And that is exactly what David's saying here. Let's make this even more personal to current events. Our culture is so consumed right now with protests and pandemics. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to protest anything right now, what about the destructive nature, not simply of a global pandemic or contentions over a skin color, which God is so beautiful in how he's created all of us in one race. This is the beauty of an amazing God. 
Yes, we can have contention, but what about another contention in this protest? What about thinking about babies' lives matter? I'm talking about two to 300,000 human beings that have been murdered since the beginning of this year alone. It doesn't even come close to what's happening in a global pandemic. I mean, I, if I can just share the thoughts of my hearts for a minute, please take these honestly thousands of, of Maude Arbery's and George Floyd's and Rayshard Brooks's will be murdered every day this week by what's happening in clinics around the country. Can we keep this in perspective? I know there's been decisions that individuals that have come to Christ and have, have claimed the forgiveness of God, please hold on to his forgiveness and mercy if you've ever had to, be, had to navigate around that issue in your own life. But I'm going to tell you, that baby, God cares for that baby. God is a God who is a sovereign God who has ordained the ways of life. Sure, most of the pregnancies that go through this, this, this questioning process are unintentional by humans, but mark this down. However you slice and dice the discussion, these babies are intentional by God. These babies are babies that are be, being formed by God. David reiterates this in verse 14. Here's how he says it. I praise you. Why? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't know how better you could say it. Obviously, the Holy Spirit's leading David. But he says this, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What's that concept? All right. Fearfully is, is, is one of those terms we've already talked about, the fear of the Lord through the Old Testament. Fear is one of those things that's not just afraid something bad's going to happen. It is standing in awe. I am standing in awe at what's happened. It's the same word used in Exodus 34 to what happened when Moses came off the mountain and the children of Israel looked at this man who had been interacting with God and the glow on his skin. They stood in awe. Wow. We stand in awe of what God has done with the human body. Uh, last night, before our prayer time, I was asking kid, our kids, we were talking about this verse, and I said, what are some things we stand in awe about? Oh, there was some great discussion on that. Kara had the best one, though. I don't want to embarrass her, but Kara said, Dad, that's what you do when you see the Costco receipt. <laughs> okay. From, from a, like a high school kid's perspective, it's like, What? Whatever the case, I mean, I think in my mind of a young man, we were talking about this, a fireworks display, and what happens at the end? The eight-year-old boy who has some definite pyromaniac tendencies, watching the fireworks, and all of a sudden the grand finale happens. Have you ever seen these kids? It's like, wow, look at that. Standing in awe, and what is David doing in this passage? He's thinking about the human body, and he's like, wow. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That word wonder goes right in line with this. It's extraordinary. It surpasses what you can even imagine. David's response to God's power expressed in the formation of the human body is this. I stand in awe, God, of something I could never have even imagined. Who could have put this together? Only God. And that's exactly what he says. Wonderful are your works. Okay, so in this one verse he uses the same word twice. 
I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he clarifies, wonderful are your works. And why does he do that? I don't want to speculate too much, but I think if you think about the human body, sometimes we think, boy, yeah, I'm pretty good stuff. I'm all that. Look what God did. And very quickly, David says, no, 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 it's not all you. Wonderful are your works, O God. You did this. I didn't have anything to do with this. You put me together. Wonderful are, my, are your works, and my soul knows it very well. And we need to keep moving along. God's power is expressed through creation in verse 15. Okay, he's already talked about the inward parts of our body. But there are other aspects of the human body I think we can see clearly here. What does he say? My frame was not hidden from you. What do you think he's talking about? I think along with several commentaries, he's very possibly talking about that frame structure through your whole body. We call it bones and ligaments. He's saying, my frame was not hid from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the, of the earth. My frame was not hidden from you. My bones, you put all those together. And he goes on to say something else. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Very practically, uh, here it is again in a different word. You've put me together like a fine crafted garment. That's what he's talking about. You've intricately woven me. I think very practically he could be very possibly talking about this stuff. The stretchy stuff all over our bodies. Stretches around certain parts of our bodies better than others. This stuff. Who would have thought about skin? David pinching himself saying, how does that keep that in place and all this in place? You put this skin together. Who could have created this? Something that can be cut and then through care be healed. God did this. God, you intricately wove me. You put all the skin around my bones, all my inner parts to hold me together. And then he says this. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. I think very possibly he's talking here of this substance being this bodily fluids. How is David going to explain this? We're talking about, yeah, blood. We're talking about all the stuff that leaks out your body. And he doesn't know how to explain this. As he's not a physician, but he knows God put all that together. My unformed substance in your book. And then he transitions into another discussion. He says this, in your book were written every one of them the days. So when did all of this come together? Well, technically 280 days of gestation in the mother's womb is when all of this happened. And what's David say here? All of those days? You knew every single one of them. You had them perfectly cataloged, what you were doing every single day of those 280 days. He says this, In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. So I hadn't had a birthday yet, but you still saw me and knew what happened every single one of those 280 days before I was born. God ordained the exact day, hour, minute, second of my birth. Also consider this. God ordained the exact day, hour, minute, second of every unborn child who would go from this life into the next without having stepped foot into this broken world. God knows. 
Simply, God's plan for David's life started way back before his mama and Jesse held him for the first time. His life had started way back before that. Uh, what is this? I mean, let's just step back and think about what David has just done. Think about this. David is overwhelmed with the most impressive expression of power ever. The most impressive expression of ownership ever. I mean, you can't trump the ability to create the human body. And God did that. The only way you could possibly trump that is through what we know as the new creation. How God has taken a broken person through Jesus Christ and given them a new heart. But what is David saying in this passage? You can't get any bigger than creating the human body. Creating what God's done. That birthday, that hair, those eyes, that chin, that nose, those ears, those hands, those feet, that height. More appropriately than today, that skin color, brothers and sisters in Christ, God made that exactly how he wanted. In no way does God make trash. Not in the least bit. All of us in this world should be led to the same conclusion of David in this. And he says this, I praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and my heart knows it. My soul knows it very well. We need to wrap this up. God's power is expressed personally. God's power is expressed through creation. And I want to make one final point on the last two verses of this passage. God's power is expressed through sustainability or through sustaining. Okay, what do I mean? Uh, Verses 16 and 17 are so seamless. They go right together. But verse 17 says this, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. What is he saying? I'm not junk. I'm not an afterthought. I'm not an accident. I'm a miracle from God, and God put innumerable, an innumerable amount of precise thought into my personal existence and person and purpose. Please understand that for every single one of us in this room, every person ever created, God has put innumerable amount of thoughts into that person. That's how much God cares for those created in his image, as we see in Genesis 1 through 3. God cares for every single person. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I referenced the SpaceX Dragon. Doug and Bob are up there now at the International Space Station. And as I was taking off into the air, I'm watching this thing and all those flames. I mean, that was sweet. Watching this happen. In my mind, I'm thinking, how many man hours of figuring out did that take? How much money did that take? Start Googling this stuff, right? And my mind's racing. And then I see something like this, and David is saying the human body, God put innumerable amount of thoughts into how that works, how this works, created in his image. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God, David says. Um, I want us to get right to the point of sustainability, though. God's sustaining us. God not only, not only has created us, he sustains us for every day of our life until the last day that he is ordained, the last breath that we are to breathe. And how does David explain that? It is in the last phrase of this entire passage. He says this, I awake 
I'm still with you. Think about that. This is so very, very, very practical. This isn't complicated in any way. The most vulnerable time of our lives is when? Think about this. The most vulnerable time of your entire life is when you're in dreamland. When you're in sleep zone. You cannot do a single thing to protect your body. Other than maybe putting on one of those breathing machines that many people use. You're not really doing anything to sustain your body. And what does David say? When I wake up, some days harder than others. This was not an easy day for me to wake up today. But I woke up. Guess who kept me through that whole night? It was the same God who created me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, guess who has you through the night? Again, we go back to not just the, 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 the physical aspect of the night. We're talking about the metaphoric aspect of the night. Think about this. Who has you through the darkest times of your life when you cannot turn anywhere? You've tried everything. I'm going to tell you who has you. It is the same God who created you and that is the same God that is sustaining you. He has you. What's the takeaway? As we close out this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, is God powerful enough to keep you alive until the day he has ordained for you to breathe your last breath? The answer is this. Absolutely. He's big enough to do that. Is God strong enough to keep your heart beating? That thing in your chest that goes like this? Until the day he calls you home? Absolutely. Does God have enough might to keep your lungs compressing and expanding every second till your last? The answer, unashamedly, unequivocally from this passage is absolutely. God's power is expressed personally. God's power is expressed through creation. And God's power is expressed through sustaining. So what? Let's wrap this up right now. You might be saying it's about time. <laughs> Let's wrap it up right now with some questions. So what? We don't want to leave here the same we came because we want to grow. We want to translate this passage into practical ways we can process life this week. So what? Well, I think I would follow that question up with this question. Do I trust that God is powerful enough to fulfill his plan in my life? God is powerful enough to fulfill his plan in your life. Seriously, do you really trust that God can do what he says he will do even with a global pandemic? Even when it seems like all hell breaks loose around us? God still is working his plan. Do you truly believe that? Last night, I was, yesterday afternoon, I was sitting there praising God for his power. And God brought to mind the words of Jeremiah, the lamenting prophet. If Jeremiah were here today, I believe there would be some amazing laments happening. Jeremiah, the lamenting prophet. And what does he say? Chapter 32, verse 17. Ah, oh, Lord God. It is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. And here it is. Nothing is too hard for you, Lord. Do you embrace that same mentality? This God who created you is the one who's sustaining you. How about this last question? Am I depending on God's power today? 
Think with me to the last verses. We've prayed this often through this study. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my heart, or my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. And I love this last one because I think it speaks directly to God's power in my life of sustainability. Lead me in the way everlasting. Do you truly believe that God has the power to save you from eternal condemnation and give you eternal life through Jesus Christ? I want you to ponder that very closely, clearly today. From youngest to oldest, do you truly believe that God can save you? The God who made you is the God who can save you. That the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes If you do believe this, here's another one. Do you also truly believe that God is powerful enough to sustain you today? Dads, on Father's Day, that trial that you're going through right now, that you have shed tears with your wife about and your kids, is this God powerful enough to guide you through that trial right now? Teenagers, young adults sitting in this room, please listen. This God is powerful enough to guard you in your battle with what John calls the world, the flesh, and the devil. God is powerful enough to guard you and guide you through that. God is powerful enough to guard you through this concept of of absolute popularity and possessions and power and performance, this trap. God is the one who can guard you from that. Do you, teenager, believe that today? Children, this God is powerful enough to keep you eternally safe in this broken world. I know many of you have watched the TV with your parents and the news, and you just turn to them and say, what is happening right now? I'm going to tell you, God's big enough to keep you. He's big enough to sustain you, young one. God knows what you're going through right now. Grandpas and grandmas, this God is powerful enough to sustain you through this time period of your life until your last day. And then God is powerful enough to keep you into eternity. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the unrest of the world around us, we must find security in the expressions of God's power to us. God, we thank you for that promise, that security from David in this passage today. We pray that we will be constantly overwhelmed with your power expressed to us I pray right here, right now, as we close out this service, Father. I know there's some in this room right now that very possibly are doubting the validity of of you. Oh God, through your spirit, please, please assure them of the words that we studied today in your word. You are a big God. You are a powerful God. You created all things and you sustain all things. Thank you for the privilege we had to study your word today.